What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining me this week on Christian Universe Podcast. I'm your host, Curry Maynard, and today is another Bible study, Mark 5, and today we are joined by someone special, a friend of mine, a brother of mine, and as you can see from the change of scenery, he wanted to try something different. I'm joking. We wanted to try something different. Um, so we changed up the scenery a little bit. And without any further ado, I want to introduce you guys to my friend, my brother, Dante Latouche. Dante, please introduce yourself to the people. Say something, bro. Greetings. <laughs> you don't want to tell them that That's about enough. yourself? That's enough. That's enough? All right. I feel that. I feel that. All right. So... Mark 5. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot has been going on between Mark 1 and Mark up to Mark 4. Yeah. Um, you know, we started off with Jesus just showing up on the scene and John, James, John the Baptist. And then Jesus calling his disciples, a few of his disciples and stuff. So now we're in John, Mark 5, my bad, Mark oh. 5. <laughs> now we're in Mark 5. And... Um, We're going to start off reading straight from the word. It says, And they came over onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gardarne. Gardarnes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Can we talk about that one real quick? Sure. Man with unclean spirit. Mm. What do you think that means? I was about to ask you the same question. Mm, okay. Mm. Um, for me, a person with an unclean spirit, it gives me the thought of someone that they they know something about God, especially when we're talking about Christianity. They know something about God, but they do nothing with that. You know. It's like um, how in the Bible it talks about um, how we're supposed to share the word mm-hmm. with others, and we hold on to it. We know the truth, but we hold on to it. We deceive others into believing that there's their truth is the truth, but we all know that there's only one truth. That's Jesus, God. So it's like I feel like that's what makes the spirit unclean. Okay, What's, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I would agree, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say it would be just because they wouldn't share the word or because they wouldn't spread the word, but rather what they the things they do even in their own personal selves, mm. what they do knowing about God and knowing the things that they should know as mm. Christians. Um but yeah, pretty pretty much what you just said. <laughs> I'm glad we had that understanding with each other. Um, It then goes on to say, this man lived in tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the iron on his foot. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and cut himself on stones. Now, again, I'm going to pause there because it kind of sounds like they were binding people. But from that time, for that time, they would basically chain, bind people 
um, who were basically unlawful, impure spirit as we were talking. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of not to protect um, them. It was more so to protect society from them. Mm -hmm. And like we were talking, and later on we'll learn that it's actually demons that are within this man. But um, what what you realize, and especially it says, is that he was spending time. What you realize it says is that it's going to He stayed within the tomb. It's like as if, although he was free, he was trapped at the same time. He couldn't pass the tombs because mm. he stayed there. You know, you're a free man. You don't have chains and guns here feet and against your hands. You could go into the city of Nazareth, Jerusalem, where, whatever the nearby city was, but he stayed within the confines of where the tombs were mm-hmm. because it seemed as if he was mentally trapped there. So it wouldn't allow him to move on. Any thoughts from you? Um, I, I don't really have much to comment on that, mm-hmm. but very good points you have made out <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that, bro. Um, Then it continues and it talks about Jesus. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he fell, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, do not torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? Can we talk about how, no matter how or who you think you are, no matter mm. how you lived your life, no matter what it is that you think you have going on, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Lord is the Lord. Mm, talk about that. Hold up. Go ahead. Talk about the that. Lord is the Lord. Talk about that. Go ahead. Now think about it. This is a demon. Mm. This is an unpure spirit. This is someone who is not the purest form of human nature. Mm. And he knows to humble himself mm. when it comes to God and lay to his feet, mm. begging, basically begging for forgiveness. Mm. Wow. I didn't think of it like that, honestly. That, that's, so, that's very good insight. On, I didn't think about it like that. I ain't see I ain't see him begging for forgiveness. I ain't see it like that, honestly. And now that you He's say not it, begging for mercy. Now that you see it, now that you say it, I see it. Read that. Read that again. Read it again. Okay. He's begging for mercy. He said, "What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? In God's name, don't torture me." That's what the demon said to Jesus, and then Jesus mm-hmm. said, "Come out of this man, you impure spirit." Then ask the man, what is his name? You're right. He not beg- he's begging for mercy. He's basically asking God, don't show me your powers. I don't I, he, I know. He knows yeah. when to be humble in front of the Lord. Mm-hmm. He in knows the presence of the Lord. Yep. I feel and like I, a lot of us today, even mm-hmm. we 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 don't really practice as much to show to show our humility. Mm. In the presence of the Lord, to be not that person. Yep. Like we always think we all this, we all that. Sometimes we just need to. It's his time. It's his time. Mm-hmm. If it even is a minute or two, 
out of every day. His time is his time. Mm. Show some humility, you know? And I actually wrote something about that, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. These demons, they knew who Jesus was. Exactly. Because exactly like how you were saying, they knew to humble themselves in his presence. And exactly how you were saying how a lot of us, we don't humble ourselves in Jesus' presence. Mm -hmm. We come to church and we don't humble ourselves. We think we're all that. We put on our best clothes and we don't say it to say, oh, I'm bringing my best to God. We say we bring it to say, oh, I want so-and-so to look at me. And say, hey, yeah, God, exactly. what is God doing in their life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at, exactly. Look at me. Look at what God has done for me. Not look at, oh, God, thank you for doing this for me. But look at what God has done for me. You know, and I think sometimes it's, Sometimes they're too close to one another. Because I've heard people say, oh, um, my life is a living testimony. Look at what God has done for me. And that part of it is fine. But when you're coming to God, your goal is supposed to say, thank you, God, for doing this for me. Mm-hmm. Not saying, look at what God has done for me. And sometimes we mix those two things up. Sometimes we say, instead of saying, thank you, God, for this, we say, look at what God has done for me. And look at the more that he exactly. always wanted more. And mm-hmm. that's fine, wanting more. But when it's all that you want is just keep coming back for more, yep. but not actually giving thanks for what you've already gotten mm-hmm. or where you already are, Yep, it strikes a problem in a way. So, And I must say that... um I can only imagine that Jesus said this line, come out of this man, you impure spirit, with some emphasis, with some sternness within his voice. Mm-hmm. And I must say that whenever God or Jesus, whenever Jesus is speaking in such a way, he's never speaking to the actual person. He's mm-hmm. actually speaking to the spirit within. The spirit within. Mm-hmm. Because there was another instance within I think it was Mark 2 or Mark 3, where a demon-possessed man stumbled upon Jesus. And this pretty much the exact same scenario happened. He talked to Jesus about how um, he's the most high and asked him what he was there to do, whether he was there to destroy all of that and stuff. And Jesus simply just said, um, I think he was like, shut up, you demon, and all that stuff. Was basically speaking directly to the demon, saying, get out of this man. And that's exactly what he did here. He said, come out of this man, you impure spirit. He wasn't talking about the man. He was talking about the demon within the man. And that's something that God does with us even today. He doesn't speak. When we do wrong, he sends another person to talk to us. But for some reason, when another person, especially when we know that person on a personal level, we seem to feel like, oh, how do you know that? What puts you in that position to call me out when such and such, Mm -hmm. when you do such and such and such and such? But we have to realize that although people have their flaws, although people have their mistakes and um, they're not all high and mighty, God can use anyone. God would use the homeless person to tell the rich man that he needs to give. God would tell the prostitute to tell the church girl that, hey, sex before marriage is not for you. It's not, stop looking. We need to stop looking at what the person has done and what God is capable of doing, mm-hmm. right? You seem like you may have a thought you want to share. No, I'm no, just you good? It okay. Um, and that's what it is. Um, God would use someone else to call out our faults. And sometimes we just need to be open and allow that to come within us because that will allow us to grow in him mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, okay. Then Jesus said, asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he said, for we are many. 
And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hill. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. Now, before I get to this next part of verse 13, I want to I want you to recognize something that you were talking about earlier about the humbleness. Are there demons? Humility. Humility. That humility that they're in the they're in the presence of the most high God and they ask for permission to go into basically the filthiest of animals. Pigs. You know, pigs, we know pigs as pigs that would eat pretty much anything. They eat anything from um, humans to their own feces. To, they pretty much eat anything, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, I want to I say that we can learn something from these demons. Humility, humbleness, especially in the presence of the Most High God. Mm-hmm. Um, again, coming back to church, we come back to church and... We show off, we show this and show that, and then forget to show our humbleness towards God. There's actually a way that we're supposed to pray. A lot of us, we start off our prayer being like, oh, thank you, God, for this. And then we get straight into asking him for all these favors, all these things. Mm -hmm. But realistically, 90% of our prayer is just supposed to be thanking him. Whether it's the simplest of things, thank you for breath. Thank you for the clothes. Thank you for the ability to walk. Thank you for the ability to see. Thank you for the ability to have friends and communicate with them at all times whenever I need them. But instead we ask and be like, oh, God, I'm broke. Let me get some money. Oh, oh, God, um, I can't see my friends. Help me get a plane ticket to go see my friends. Oh, God, I need a new laptop for work. Oh, God, this. Oh, God, that. But then we're like, hold up. Why isn't God giving me any of this stuff? And we have to realize that if we're not going to be humble with the things that he has already given us, if we're not going to thank him for what he has already given us, why would he give us more? It doesn't make sense for him to give us more because we already don't appreciate what he has already given to us. Right. So that that humbleness of even demons to ask God for permission to basically because the next verse, it says the herd about of about 2000 in number rushed the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. They basically committed suicide. They asked permission to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. That's basically what they did. So to see that they were, they realized the significance of who they were in the presence of and something that a lot of us fail to do. Anything you want to share? No. You good? It's true. Yeah. Um, Something that, oh, okay. So I had a note about that. It says, so they basically headed, basically killed themselves. And I have heard people say that we are to test God, right? But realistically, the only time that the Bible talks about us testing God or Jesus was in Malachi 3 verses 10. And Mm -hmm. we read that every Sabbath, basically, when we're doing tithe and offering, bringing all the tithes into the storehouse. And the only time in the entire Bible that he mentions testing him is when it comes to blessings, where he says, test me not that if I do not open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings, that you may not have room enough. Mm -hmm. That's the only time when he's talking about us accepting blessings from him. That's the only time it talks about testing him. But we like to 
talk about testing him and testing him of seeing how close we can get to the devil without actually losing God. Right. And that's something that we have to realize. And I feel like a lot of us, it's not that it's not to bash anyone that um, is in the faith, anyone that reads the Bible, but we need to really search it. Cause for me, I, until I actually looked up where in the Bible, it talks about testing God and I, and I was specifically looking for parts where it was talking about testing him in the bad, testing him, seeing how close we, how much we can do before everything. But I could only find one single verse where it talks about testing him. And it's only with blessings, testing him in the sense of him giving us blessings that if we cannot accept them, then there is not room enough within us. Right. So that's something that a lot of us have to be mindful of. We have to read our word to realize. Mm-hmm. Right. And so after that, go it goes to. So, yeah, verse th- verse 14 basically um, starts to narrate what happens after that. Mm-hmm. Um, those tending to the pigs run off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and his, and in his right mind, and they were all, af- and they were afraid. So, when they say the legion of demons, mm-hmm. do you think they're referring to more than one? Saying that, basically, I don't want to say taking turns in who, which one of them has control over his mind. Mm, that's a good question. Cause remember earlier when Jesus asked, what is your name? The man did say, my name is Legion. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he went on and said, for, for we are many. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that they were taking turns, but at the same time they were there by tombs. It's possible that they were playing with other People that were cast out. Because ah, also, point. that's also possible because when we read it, it doesn't say, well, does it? Does it say that it's only one man or does no. it just say they? Yeah, it just says, they. it just says verbally they. So it's possible it was more than one person there who were dressed and in their right mind, you know? So it's like, well, no, yeah, it it's says, only one it man. It says the man. So yeah, it's possible. So yeah, it's possible exactly what you were saying that. They were taking turns, messing with his mind, playing around with him and all that stuff. Um, But once again, like you said, it comes back to the humility because that man, I'm thinking about it like as me. If I'm out of my mind, right, and I possibly don't know how I got out onto the hillside or whatever, Mm -hmm. right, after a demon leaves me, that's when my mind comes back. So the first thing I'm going to think is, how did I get out of here? Yeah. I got to get back to where I came from, try to retrace my steps. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's sitting there and all that, that tells me that somewhere along the way, he realized who he was around. He felt safe, you know, because um, to sit with Jesus, that's that's and you don't yes. even know the man. You don't even know the man. You just sat with Jesus because mm-hmm. Jesus is still there. It said that the men came back and saw Jesus yeah. with the man who was in his right, right mind, mind and dressed. 
So he sat there with Jesus. So I could only imagine Jesus was sitting there explaining the whole thing to him, explaining what was going through, what he was saying. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. But then it it did it then goes to mention that they were afraid. Mm. But it never mentioned that he, he was, was afraid. afraid mm. After he had the whole experience mm. in front of all these people. Yep. And you know, um, something that I've realized, especially like the more I read the Bible and the more I look at what science and how um, atheists and everybody else thinks is mm-hmm. they seem to dismiss what they don't understand. And at this time, they most, I would, well, at least they dismiss what they don't understand and they are afraid of what seems to be impossible. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think was going through these, their mind, the people that had come after the shepherds or whoever tended to the pigs yeah. were there, they were Consider afraid. It's a bit more foreign exactly. to them. Yeah. You know, at this time, you wouldn't hear about pigs just randomly killing themselves mm-hmm. because with these, you would think that the people tending to them would have control of them. So they would keep them tight knit and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like, and you'd probably have a dog there with them to frighten them back into yeah. astray. So to hear this, it's, Almost impossible. And then the way how it, the way how it's worded in the mm. book, it seems like it's not. It's, it wouldn't be just like a small farmer where it's just two or three pigs just jumped off yeah. the lake. It, it sounds like, well, from what I'm reading, it seems mm-hmm. like it was like a whole lot. So to gather that much attention from everybody else yep. nearby and for them to go and tell other people, you must understand that it's not just two pigs. It's they went after a lot of pigs, yep. and it was probably that lake was probably, I want to say, contaminated at that point. Most so. likely, most likely, um, exactly. You know, it could in one or two. It is what it is. Yeah. You're thinking, oh well, Something maybe they just happened. got confused, whatever, yeah. and ended up in the pool, whatever, blah blah blah. But when you see, because I think the Bible said, um, when they asked permission, it was a hillside nearby. Oh, and then it said the herd of about 2,000 in number. That's a lot. Exactly. That's a lot. 2,000 in number. That's a lot for them to just randomly get up and head into the pool. And it's rushed. They rushed. So they ran to the steep bank. So they knew where they were going into the the lake. So it's not like they were on the bank and they were in the shore playing around. No, they ran straight into the deep end. And they drowned themselves. So they knew what they were doing. So mm. this, to the people that were tending them, it played on their mind. They're like, whoa, what just happened? This is crazy. This is insane. But for us to keep it to ourselves is too crazy. So we're going to run back in town and tell people about it real mm-hmm. quick. Maybe some, maybe somebody out there can explain it. Mm-hmm. And everybody came back and realized, hold up. There's this crazy man that is sitting there. Mm-hmm. He, he's one of them that we had casted out a while back. But he's sitting there in his right mind and dressed. Everybody that comes back, they're confused. Everybody's yep. like, what is happening? Because mm-hmm. you're seeing just a lake filled with mounds, amounts of pigs. Yep. No one can explain it. There's a, The man that is said to be out of his right mind is sitting before the Lord himself. Yep. In his most vulnerable form. Mm. He's not scared. Everybody else mm. that came around to witness this, they're all scared. Yep. Yep. You are so no right. One, no one knows what to think. Yep. 
See, it even goes on to say um, right after that, it says those who had seen who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon possessed man and the and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their legion. The region. The region. Their region. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here it's no longer, oh, the demon possessed man is messed up. Now it's Jesus is here causing problems. Because, mm -hmm. you know, um, earlier with it, later on, we learned about the Pharisees and everything. And one of the biggest problems they had with him is that they that he was preaching against them, basically. Mm -hmm. He was preaching the same thing that they were preaching, but he wasn't spinning it in a way that would keep the Pharisees in power or make them seem so much better or that you needed them in order to be saved. Yeah. He was preaching it in a way that as long as you accept me and my father and you live by what we say, you're saved. You know, And that's something that, once again, they were afraid of here as well because mm -hmm. this is a new concept to them. Once again, like I said, to, in today's day and age, when we don't understand it, we dismiss it. We no longer look to be like, oh, um, well, I don't understand it. So let me do some more research on it and then get back to you. No, I don't understand it. So it can't be that important. I'm going to head on out and forget all about it. Right. Then it goes on and it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat. So this is the same boat that he had just traveled over to. Mm -hmm. And now he's headed out. As he was into the boat, the, de the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now, everybody else in the town is like, hey, I'm going to need you to pack it up. Get out. Get out, Jesus. We don't need you here. We don't need all that confusion that you bring in mm -hmm. here. But the man that everyone had casted out is like, hey, can I come with you? Can I come with you? And Jesus did not let him. But instead, he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And he has had mercy on you. Right? So the man went away and began to tell the people, tell in the Coppolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. So before they were upset at Jesus. But now that they know that he's a miracle working God, that he has helped them. Mm-hmm. They're amazed. They're like, oh, my God, did we really just run out the Messiah, this Jesus that we've been hearing so much about? Mm -hmm. So I could only imagine they're like he, the guys. They're like, oh, so where did he go? They're like, oh, he's on a river in such and such. They're like, let's go. Let's go meet him. Let's go say hi. Let's go. Let's when go ask him, him to in stay in backyard when they had him right there. But they were like, he came need to and he out. cleaned out the place for mm. and had him in their backyard. Mm. Like, no. Nah. You're doing too much now. Let's go. Yep. The guy didn't even want to stay there anymore because... I could imagine. You know? And he just witnessed something. He will... He, he, he probably just had a little touch. Yep. And just wanted more. Mm. And... Ooh! And that takes me to the next point. Well, the next section of this entire chapter. And mm -hmm. here it, um, in my Bible, in the NIV version, they have captions or titles for each section and here it says jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman mm -hmm. now this is one of jesus's most famous miracles but not because of per se of what he has done but because of what happens surrounding everything so 
it starts off with Jesus crossing over by boat to the other side of the lake. A large crowd gathered around him while he was at by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded with him earnestly, my little girl is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be made heal and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now I'm going to pause there. Once again, we're talking about that humility. Mm-hmm. That humility, that, that um, humbleness, because from what I understand, I don't know if there were other synagogue leaders, but the synagogue leaders that are talked about in the Bible are known as Pharisees. Yeah. And they're, plan- they're plotting Jesus' downfall. So to see that one of them, he might not be a Pharisee that's plotting Jesus' downfall because we know later on, or at least in the movies, we know about Pharisees that were on Jesus' side. They were like, no, this is the true God and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And maybe this was one of them. But from what we know so far within Mark, they were always plotting his downfall. They always wanted him to basically leave and die. Mm -hmm. So it's I find it very amazing, especially because when I think about it in today's society, sometimes something happens very often that I notice that a lot of people do. And they would claim that there's no God or that it's impossible for there to be a God or that the Big Bang Theory is the reason or it's just coincidence and all no. that stuff. But the moment that everything goes south, the moment that their life gets hard, they're like, Oh, God, help me through this. God, Mm. do this. God, if Mm. you do this, I will do this. Mm -hmm. And there was this um, TikTok that I watched a while back, and it was talking about these different characters. And one of them was like, the atheist kid was like, God, help us. And the guy that was just acting, he was like, wait, you know him? So it's like, (laughs) that's a lot of us. That's a lot of people. They're like oh, there is no God. Yeah. But the moment things go south, things go south you're like, oh, you know First him? name you call. You know, you know there's a God? But you was just saying God ain't real. You was just, you was just outside bashing the preacher that mm-hmm. was telling you God is coming. What you mean, God, come help me? And that's kind of how I felt when I realized it's possible that he was, like again, like again I said, he's, he might not be one of those Pharisees. But from my knowledge of the Pharisees and them being the synagogue leaders, it's amazing that as soon as my daughter is dying, God, 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 Jesus, come help me, Mm -hmm. you know, I need you, you know? And I could only imagine that the Bible didn't say everything that Jerry said. It's possible that he was like, God, if you help him, I will serve you for the rest of my life. If you heal my daughter and help her live. That is another thing. I feel like a lot of people also Mm. do that. And say that just to just to see how far they can make it out of, the, out of mm. their their present situations, and then after that situation is gone, they're like, "Oh, back to regular scheduling." Yep. And I feel like that is such a problem in not just today's society, but it has going been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. People don't realize how um, intricate the things they say are. You know, when you say something. As 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 um as deep as God, you mm. get me through this. 
I'm going to, you're expected to mm-hmm. follow up on it. You know, you're expected to come through the same way he has for you, you know? Yep. So to just slide back and double down and you're like, back to regular programming. Uh, yep. That's just coincidence. It, it, he didn't do anything for me. It's just coincidence. Or you just forget about him, you know? I just find that kind of crazy that people can actually do that. Yep. There's, so, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a song that I love by um, Jaden put me onto this artist called Paul the Messenger. There's a song that's called When God Talks Back. And there's a verse, there's a line in the very first verse. It says, I only need a minute of your time. Mm-hmm. I heard your prayer. You just want to be okay. But when you're okay, you act like you don't even know me. Mm. I notice you. I notice that you barely ever keep me on your mind. Mm. You only ever need me till you're fine. 